As we come near to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying together now for several months, and we will read together from Matthew 7, 24 through 29, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So far, the reading of God's Word. Well, now that we've been through the storm this week, what would you have done differently if you could have prepared a little bit more? Have you thought about that? Anybody here with uh, a couple of thoughts like, oh, if only I had bought a generator, filled my tank with gas on Monday, emptied the freezer... What would you have done differently? How would you have prepared differently? You know, the weather forecasters on this storm, they got it right. You know, sometimes we make fun of them. They don't always get it right. But, but they got this one right. We had plenty of warning. Nobody can say we weren't told. If I could do it over again, you just heard the list that you shouted out. Those are the things I wish I had done to be better prepared. Well, now, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ, in God's providence, these, this passage and what we experienced this week, they converge, and Jesus speaks to the people who are listening to him. And it's really interesting, because he's not talking to atheists, he's not talking to unchurched people, he's talking to his disciples who are really very interested in what he has to say. Okay? He's talking to us. And one final time, he says, you know, there are different kinds of people, and some of them will face the storms of life, and they will stand. And others will fall with a great crash. What about you? This message is about two different men who face the same trials, they endure the same storm, they have the same circumstances, they both build a house, but their results are very different. And what's the reason for their difference? The reason that the results are different is the foundation. So Jesus gives us this message about the foundation of your life 
and how you will endure the storms and the trials that are surely to come, whoever you are. Point number one, you see it in your sermon outline. What kind of foundation have you laid underneath the house of your life? Jesus tells us there's two kinds of people, doesn't he? Who are they? One is the foolish man, and the other is the wise man. And they're both building a house. Now, if you talk to some of the contractors in this church, some of the project managers, if Kenny Malloy or Mike Rant uh, would be available to interview you afterwards, you go to them and you say, well, tell us, what have you learned about construction? What is the most important thing at the beginning of any construction project? Is it the siding that you're going to put on the house? Is it... Is it the plumbing fixtures that you've chosen? What is first and foremost? And they'll tell you. It's the foundation that you build. And the foundation has to be solid. Now, Jesus says it has to be solid as rock. When I worked uh, construction in college, I worked for the Amor Construction Company, and, and we built townhouses outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And and uh, I was the lowest man on the totem pole. I was, I was the, the, the low guy. And you know what the low guy has to do? When they built these uh, townhouses, they would bring in these enormous concrete uh, cement trucks, and they would pour, you know, uh, uh, cords and cords of cement. But before they poured the cement, you know what they would install in, in the foundation forms? It was called rebar. Anybody ever hear of rebar? What is rebar? It's these thick steel bars that were laid in lattice form, crisscross on each other, before they bring in the concrete. And low guy on the totem pole, what he has to do is take these little wire wires that have hooks on the ends, and he has a little tool, and he has to, it's back-breaking, and he has to bend over in every intersection of the rebar. He's got to wrap the wire around and twist it tight. Hundreds of them. And then the concrete truck comes in, and they pour the concrete, and they pull the concrete into place, and it sets in the form. And that foundation ain't going anywhere. But when we were in Benin, John Morkin and I, when we were in Africa on the Atlantic Ocean coast over there, we saw some beautiful, undeveloped oceanfront property. And... Um, people would build these shacks right on the beach. And Parfait once said to us, he said, in a month or two, <laughs> those shacks will be washed out to sea. They just took a couple pieces of plywood, put some, some, some uh, uh, stakes up and built a little roof over it. And it was lovely, it was beautiful, but... The winds come, the rain, the storm surge comes, and the shack is washed out to sea, and it collapses with a great crash. The wise man wants to know. He says, Mike, tell me, as I build my house, what do I have to do to make sure the foundation is solid? And he is instructed in what to do. The foolish man, yeah, yeah, I know it all. I already know what to do. And you, you meet people like that, don't you? You know, they rush into marriage without any preparation. They start a business without any preparation. You know, and they build a house 
without thinking about the foundation at all. What's the spiritual parallel here? The book of Proverbs, if you've never read the book of Proverbs, it's filled with discussion of the fool and the wise man. Here's just two Proverbs for you. Proverbs 12:15. The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise person listens to advice. And of course, we've often heard Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So that's the way of the fool. He's his own ideas, his own way, not concerned about spiritual foundations. But then there's the wise man, and he's very different. He wants a house on a solid foundation, a spiritual foundation. And the Apostle Paul talks about foundations for the Christians, for the Christian church. Down in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 and 10, Paul is reflecting on the ministry he's done and the people that he loves at the church of Corinth very much. And do you know what he says? He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. Do you hear that? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I can't say it any better than Paul did. Be careful how you build the foundation of your life. And there is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. In our passage, it is, uh, it's very interesting. And I'm not a big Greek scholar, but if you read the Greek language of the, giving us the words of Jesus, it's tech, it literally says, everyone who hears me, these words, and does them. And the order is very significant because, you see, it's not just about hearing some words. Everyone who hears me, Jesus says. This is an encounter with me. Paul says, build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ as the foundation of your life. And you take his words then and you put them into practice. And so the quest, first question is, have you ever thought, what is the foundation of my life? And the interesting thing is, from a distance, on a sunny day, you can look at the house of the foolish man and you can look at the house of the wise man and they both look pretty good. The sky is blue, the sun is shining. They're both getting along. But any contractor will tell you, you find out the quality of the work when the storm comes, when the winds blow. And then you'll see what will happen. And the one on sand will collapse. Any philosophy of life, any, any talk show host can give you advice and it'll work for a while on a sunny day. What is the foundation for your life? You need to know because the storms will come. Point number two, your life will encounter great storms. Jesus told us this. North Shore Community Church, we are not people who hold to some some pie-in-the-sky theology that says, if you're a Christian, you'll never have any problems. Do you know why we don't teach that? Because it's not true. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. John 6.33, I believe it is. In this world, you will have troubles. Okay, Jesus. Okay? You will have troubles. 
The rain came down. The streams rose. Verse 25, the wind blew and beat against the house. Now, what he's describing here is just a picture of a storm. And boy, we understand what a storm is if you lived in New York this past week. But, and I don't want to push this too far. Uh, Jesus is saying storms come, but, but you know how I love the writings of Martin Lloyd-Jones and his commentary on this. He actually, he talks about the rain and then the surge of the water and then the wind gusts. And Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, the rain is like the cold rain. And it falls on you, and you're drenched, and you're cold, and you're wet. And it's like the disappointments of life. The car breaks down. Again. And the power is still off. And your friend told you he'd do this for you, and he never showed up. And it's just the disappointments of life. And they weigh on your soul. They distress your soul, don't they? But then Lloyd-Jones says there's uh, the floods that come, the water that comes against the house. And Lloyd-Jones says this represents the world. And when the New Testament talks about the pressures of living in this world, it's talking about the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the, the boastful pride of life, the sinful uh, temptations that arise within our souls that come to us. And Lloyd-Jones says it's like the floodwaters all around us. And wouldn't you agree that the sensuality of our world is constantly seducing us away from Jesus Christ? And the lust of our eyes, the desire for gadgets and goodies and, and, and toys and stuff that just is incited by every skilled actor on Madison Avenue who who knows how to make us dissatisfied with us, and that just pulls us away from contentment in Jesus Christ, you see. And then there's the pride of life that we, we just, we want our significant, we want to be significant, and of course, there's legitimate desire to be significant, but we want to boast, and we want to achieve our own greatness, and in many ways, it distracts us from Jesus Christ. So the rains come down, and then the uh, floodwaters come, and then, Lloyd-Jones says, there's the wind. And the wind gusts. What were they like? Did you stay awake much of the night? I did. We have this big window, and you could watch the trees. And the trees, they would be blowing, and then all of a sudden, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, and the trees would be back and forth, back and forth. The wind gusts come, and Lloyd-Jones says that these uh, must be referring to the assaults of the devil upon your soul. The spiritual warfare, fiery darts that are shot against you, temptations. And, and you say to yourself, if, 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 a, if a blasphemous thought comes into your mind, where did that come from? As temptation arises and you say, I never thought I would be susceptible to this. What's happening? It's the wind gust of the devil pushing against your soul. And in the end, in the end, comes death itself. And that will test the foundation. The rain tests your foundations. The, the floods test the foundation. The wind tests the foundation. And then death itself. And it may come instantly and suddenly, or it may come gradually. But every one of us, 
must face the day when we will breathe our last. You have to face it. What are you going through? I don't know what all of you are facing, but I know this. You have storms in your life. How's your foundation? Now, point number three asks the question, do you hear the words of Jesus? And the reason I ask this, and three and four, really, they go together, but down in verse 28, it says, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And, um, and if you've been half awake a third of the time, as we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, you have to be as amazed as I am at the teacher of teachers, Jesus Christ. I remember the first time after I became a Christian and I read the Gospels. I still remember what it was like with virgin eyes, the words of Jesus leaping off the page into my heart. Who is this that speaks like this? And I remember when I got to John chapter 6, verse 63, and Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. (laughs) And I had been wondering that morning, what is happening to me? Why am I so crazy about Jesus Christ? I'm, I'm like those people I used to make fun of. What's happening to me? And I read, Jesus says, the words I speak, they're spirit. They're life to you, John Yenchko. And my adrenaline would would run. And some I hope all of you've had that experience. It's not the experience that matters. It's not the experience that matters. It's that the words of Jesus are spirit and life to you. Paul says, "Faith, do you need faith? Your faith weak? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus. Do you hear them?" And yet, if you look at the text, hearing is not enough, is it? Not according to this. Because you see, both guys, the wise man and the foolish man, they both heard the words of Jesus. And in some sense, they were both amazed by the words of Jesus. It's not as though one man heard and the other man didn't. Okay? They both heard. But an intellectual knowledge of the New Testament or of even the words of Jesus is not enough. And we saw in the scariest verse in the Bible last week that it's even possible to say, Lord, Lord, did we not preach in your name and do miracles in your name and cast out demons? And yet you said, I didn't know you. So it's not merely about knowing and even speaking the words. Point number four. Do you hear the words of Jesus and then put them into practice? Like I said at the beginning, these two fellows were very much alike. Their houses, they they look the same, at least above ground. Their trials are similar. They face the same storm. But the great difference between them is that the foolish man only hears the words of Jesus. What does the wise man do? He puts them into practice. 
So Tony read for us earlier in the service from James 1.22. Do not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. You know, I love being your pastor. I love being a pastor. It's a great privilege. Some people in this church are Christian counselors, the good Christian counselors. And uh, the elders of our church, they, they, they are wise men who give godly counsel. Can I tell you what is the hardest thing about being a pastor? The hardest thing about being a pastor is when people come with problems. And that's not bad. Everybody's got problems. My brother-in-law, he always says, rule number one. Everybody has issues. And he's right. That's, that's, that's no surprise. But what happens is you sit down with people and you explore their issues and their problems and you say, well, let's, let, let, let's see what the Bible has to say about this and then let's see if we can put together what it means to have some hope as you face this trial, temptation, struggle, difficulty. And then let's see what the Lord has to say about how we step forward, how we move forward. And you lay out an action plan, and you have good and godly counsel from the Bible, here's what God's Word says will really help you as you take your next step. And the person sits there and nods their head and says, yes, 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 of course. And then it it says, though it's gone in this ear, and then where did it go? Right out the other and they just don't put it into practice. And you watch them suffer. You watch them suffer. It's not that I feel so righteous. I, I do it too, but you watch them suffer for years because they won't put it into practice. What their counselor, their elder, their pastor, their good fr- Christian friend has said, you know, it seems to me this is what the Lord is saying clearly in his word. And it breaks our heart. I don't know. I don't want to insult anybody else here. I'm as guilty of that as anyone. But be very careful. As Jesus is speaking, right now when he says about the wise man, he's saying the wise man puts my word into practice. And he does it because I am the Lord. How many people here want... Jesus, you don't have to put up your hands. How many people here want Jesus as their Savior? (laughs) How many people don't want to go to hell? How many people do want to go to heaven? I want Jesus as my Savior, and I'm so grateful for the cross. I'm so grateful for the blood shed for me. I'm so grateful that he died and rose again and is coming again and will take me home to heaven. I'm so grateful. I want Jesus as my Savior. But what we learn here is that you can't have Jesus as Savior if you won't have him as Lord. Otherwise, you'll be the person who says, Lord, Lord. And you know in the parallel passage, in Luke 6, 46-49, it's in the back of your sermon outline. Very interesting. 
Jesus is preaching in another sermon. And he's using the same illustration. <laughs> I like this because some of you have heard me use the same illustration several times, multiple times. My, my, my wife reminds me we've heard that one before. Well, Jesus does it too. <laughs> right, Butch? Jesus uses the same illustration in different sermons, so I, that's a good precedent. But Luke six forty six through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words. I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the floods came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But... The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. You can't just say, Lord, Lord, and not do what he says. And inside your bulletin, your takeaway, your takeaway is the little reflection right on this side here. John Stott, another great teacher from the Sermon on the Mount, he says, In applying this teaching to ourselves, we need to consider that the Bible is a dangerous book to read and that the church is a dangerous society to join. For in reading the Bible, we hear the words of Christ And in joining the church, we say we believe in Christ. As a result, we belong to the company described by Jesus as both hearing this teaching and calling him Lord. Our membership, therefore, lays upon us the serious responsibility of ensuring that what we know and what we say is translated into what we do. So what does the wise man look like? Two people, same circumstances, same storm. What does he look like? The rain, the wind, the floods. Both of them them are under perhaps financial pressure. Anybody under financial pressure? The bills keep coming in faster than the money keeps coming in. And one of them is bitter. And one of them is hopeless. I keep, I'm like Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill. And it just keeps rolling down over top of me. And I can't stand it. And I'm without hope. And I am so frustrated. And I just want to give up. The other one. What does the other one say to himself? He says, you know, I remember when Pastor John preached from Matthew 6.25. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or about what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? And didn't we memorize that verse that says, My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Two people totally different responses. 
which is yours. Relationship difficulties. Two people, they work in the same office, okay? They work in the same office, and their boss is a jerk to both of them. You know the kind of boss I'm talking about? He's critical, he's unrealistic in his demands, and he's insulting and demeaning. And the one is full of vengeance. He says, I can't stand that guy. If I could, I would slash his tires. If I could, I would ruin his reputation. I can't wait for the opportunity to put him, uh, to bring him down. The other one, the other one says, you know, I remember when we studied the Sermon on the Mount and uh, those words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to love my boss. I'm going to look for opportunities to bless my boss and I'm not going to curse. And when he insults me, Jesus, I think I heard you right. When he insults me, I'm going to turn the other cheek I'm going to show him that I'm secure in my relationship with God and that insult is not going to demean me in any way and I'm going to hold my head high as I move forward. Two people, same situation, two diametrically opposed responses. Which one is you? And finally, in the end, comes death and it knocks. And for some of us, it will come suddenly or quickly. And for some of us, it will linger and it will come slowly. But two people, they go to the same doctor's office the same day and they receive the same diagnosis and the doctor says it's not good. I have to tell you to get your affairs in order. Two people, same storm. And one of them is racked with terror and fear. And one of them, if they believe in God, curses God. And the other one might ignore God, or they will choose to ignore God, which is cursing God. And they're filled with regret. And they wonder and wonder and wonder, is this just the end into annihilation, or will I in fact face a judge, a holy and righteous judge? And they don't know. The other one... The other one says, didn't we learn from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? Which of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to his life? I'm not sure what a cubit is, but can add a single span of distance to his life. And they say, Lord, the Bible teaches me, you've appointed the day I was born, and you have appointed the day that I will die. This is in your hand, Lord. And if this is my time, then what I plan to do is I plan to die well. Because I've chosen the narrow gate. I've, I'm going through the narrow gate that's resting in Jesus. And Jesus Christ is the rock of my life. And I've entered into a personal relationship with him. And I know that my life is built on that rock. And do you remember a couple years ago when Ed Kaiser stood in front of this church and his diagnosis of cancer, stage four, was very serious. And he invited us to pray for healing. But he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, but I'll tell you this. My situation is win-win. Because if you pray for me to be healed and I'm healed, that's a victory. 
But if God takes me home, that is an even greater victory. And Ed modeled for us, you see, what it meant to die well. Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation. He endured the great storm so that you will stand. And this is where we must go because if you're like me, I realize that sometimes I have not stood. Sometimes I have not put his word into practice. And so I'm standing in the need of a savior. Is there anyone else here who would say, I'm standing in the need of a savior? I need a savior. And how can Jesus be my savior? Because 2,000 years ago, there was a great storm, a terrible storm, a cosmic storm where the wrath of God intruded into this world. We're told the rocks broke, right? The rocks broke and the sky grew dark. And the wrath of God fell upon Jesus Christ in the storm of storms. On the cross. And Jesus stood faithful he who did not deserve to die took death for you and death for me. And he rode death to victory. And so, in his victory, he rose again. And now the storms come to you and me. But you see, we're in Christ's victory. Christ's victory is our victory. And you, and you face the storms with confidence in Jesus Christ, whatever they might be. My hand is in his. He will not let me go. Right? No one can snatch me out of his hand. And I'm built upon the rock. The wise man, yes. Yes, I want to do his words and put them into practice. But he is my rock. My fortress. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His words are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And in our church office, we keep this picture. And if you can see it, you get the sense, this, this rock lighthouse. And if you were able to see up close, there's a little man standing right here. Standing right here as the storm surge crashes around him. But he is safe. How is he safe? I love this, this photograph. We see it every staff meeting. It's right in front of our eyes. I love this because it reminds us that the Lord is our rock and our fortress is our salvation. Brothers and sisters, today Jesus says, hear my words. Put them into practice. But build your life on the solid rock, on the foundation that will stand. And you will stand. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the faithful one, whose words are spirit and life to us. And, and we pray that each of us, each of us would get to know you better. We would hear your words and be amazed at them. And then, because our lives are built on your salvation, your rock, your grace, we don't do your words to get your grace, but because we've received your grace 
when you're going to put your words into practice. Help us, we pray. Be our rock and the foundation of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.